Ephesians 4, first six verses. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. There is one Spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We have finished up three chapters of theology, of doctrine, powerful doctrine, if you're really honest about it. And yet there's two interludes in the chapter 1 and in chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul realizes what he's just rolled out, man can't grab. So he stops and he prays. The conclusion of chapter 3, he prays. He prays that we were strengthened in the inner man. He prays that because of that strengthening of the Holy Spirit in the inner man, that Jesus Christ would be at peace in each of us. And in doing so we would understand what is the fullness of God. And in the fullness of God, we would do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could think or imagine. Okay? He could have stopped right there, really. But then he gives you chapters 4, 5, and 6 on what does it look like when this is happening. And that's where we're at right now. He says he's a prisoner of the Lord and he's begging us. What is he begging Walk worthy. Walk worthy of your calling. And that is the call. That is... I remember reading Voltaire, a French philosopher, and he said, I would be inclined to believe in your Redeemer if you could show me a redeemed life. And I look around today, and there's part of me that says the same thing. Show me a redeemed life. Show me what it looks like. And the problem is, we all have our own picture and design of what a redeemed life is. And saying, instead of saying, Lord, what, what does a redeemed life look like? And I mean, I can get simple about it. I said, it's completely opposite of the world. Next question. Okay, but that's what the Apostle Paul has given us, is what is this walk like? What is this lowly walk Of this amazing high position. That's the call. And we've been going through it. Um, Verse 2 says. In all humility. All humility means what? Everything. Humble about everything. Doesn't matter. All humility. All humility. And then he says gentleness. Some translations want to say meekness. Okay. The word literally means power under control. It's sort of like you take a lion. And you tame it. And the lion will respond to its master. That's meekness. That's gentleness. It's there. But then there's that one that we all really enjoy. Everyone here has great fun with patience. Okay? Some of your translations will say long-suffering. I think that's a better term. Because patience seems to be long-suffering for me. But we are long-suffering. I can just stop right there and tell you right now. Everything that I've just listed there is supernatural. Man can't do it. I've watched him. I've watched him for the years that I've been alive. 
It is hard to see humility in humankind. It is hard to see gentleness, power under control in humankind. It is very difficult to see patience in humankind. And we got, you ever thought about patience? We got to drive up pharmacies. You can drive up food. That sounds patient, doesn't it? You know, I want my food, I want it now. This is all supernatural. And you know what? I am convinced that that little section that I have just given to you in verses 2 and 3 is probably the single greatest testing of the church of Christ Jesus. I look around, you know, I've been in this town for a long time. I've been in this church for 35 years. I've been the senior pastor for 25. I've never been in another church. This is the only church I've ever been in. I mean, don't, don't get that wrong. I've walked into churches, I mean. <laughs> but I've never, the only church that I've ever been a part of is this one. Okay? And I've seen things come, I've seen things go. And one of the things that I see, and it's very annoying to me, is quote-unquote evangelism. We have a system, we have a program, we have a method, we have a this, we have a that. Let me tell you something. When the body of Christ walks in all humility and gentleness and with patience and tolerance and love for one another, the world will take notice. And you will evangelize. Because they're going to say, how in the world do you do that? Because verse 3 says, you're going to do unity in the bonds of peace. And let me ask you a question. What human institution today is unified? Got one? There isn't any such thing. You can't do it. Humans can't do it. But you know what? God can. God does it on a regular basis. There's nothing like this in natural man. And it's one of the things that I watch in the body of Christ today is that we're doing it in the power of natural man. That's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. If the church, if we had total humility, which produces beautiful gentleness that is strong and powerful under control of the master, it will produce long-suffering It will produce patience, which will lead to a long-suffering love. And when that happens, the lost will take notice. They will say, look, look at that. B.B. Warfield called it inward grace. Inward grace. I like that. It's inside. You know what's nice about inward grace? I'm not dependent on you. It's an inward grace. And it really doesn't matter the circumstances that I'm involved with. doesn't matter with the people that I'm involved with. And it doesn't even matter what God's plan is. I have an inward grace that brings me. And that all leads to a forbearing love. A tolerating love is the New American Standard. A love that is long-suffering. It's 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 interesting word. If you go look at this, it says, okay, in verse 2, it says, a tolerance for one another in love. Okay, That word tolerance in the original language is it's fascinating. I can't pronounce it. You'll have to forgive me. All right? But it literally means suppress 
with silence. What? Well, now, is that love? I'm going to suppress it in silence. It's easy. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Love covers a multitude of sin. It is idea of throwing a blanket over the sin. That is a tolerating love. Have you ever dealt with a Christian who has uh, some theological problems? So you try to express it to them. Well, let me explain this to you. And they get mad. Okay, so what do you do? Well, you put them in a headlock and you say, no, let me explain this to you because you need to get this. That ain't tolerating love. Tolerating love says, you know what? I can walk away. Now, remember what it said. Suppressed in silence. I can walk away without telling them, one of these days God's going to open your eyes. And then walk away. No. It walks away with the saying in your head that says, God's plan's right on track. I did what I was supposed to. That's still God's creature. That is what tolerating love is. It's interesting, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Interesting, huh? Now, (laughs) the tendency is, remember what I told you about patience? Because patience has to deal with your circumstances. Okay, they have no effect on me. People, they have no effect on me. God's plan, amen. Even if he hasn't showed me what step two is. I mean, a lot of us want, give give me your plan, but I want to see it from start to end. Okay, God's plans always for me is to take that step. Well, it looks like a cliff. I said take the step. But it still looks like a cliff. Well, you ain't going anywhere else until you take that step. Okay, I've I've argued with him. Anybody here argued with God? Okay, that's good. I'd I'd like to think I ain't the only one who's done that. Because, you know, I'm still trying to figure out, do I ever win? And I get that small, still voice. Nope. But we have a tendency when we deal with certain individuals, certain circumstances, or certain plans of God, where we say, all right, I can endure this. I can take it from you. I can take it from this circumstances. I can take what God's saying. But can you love it in the middle of it? Because that's what's being said here. This is the test. Do you see the progression? Starts out with all humility. You see it? And it builds. Because I know people who says, well, I am going to be tolerating in love. And you know what? Every time you think you're going to do that, God's going to put one of the nastiest things you've ever experienced right in the middle of you. And it says, knock yourself out. But if I'm walking in all humility, if I'm walking in meekness or gentleness, and I have long suffering when I need to have a tolerating love, it's already there. 
It all just comes out. But you don't go from, okay, this is a worthy walk, and I'm going to go over here and love. Because as soon as he does, you, as soon as you think you're going to do that, hey, stay away from me. Because <laughs> you're going to get some nasty neighbors. Some of us have some enemies. And we deal with our enemies and we do it in the grace of Jesus Christ. We grit our teeth. We take it. And you know what? That ain't the point. Can you take it and love them? And you have nothing to give them but love. Now, I want you to think about this for a second because I brought up evangelism. You want to evangelize. How does that look? Compared to the world today, how does that look? I remember we have a pastor that we support in Punjab, India. It's right next to Pakistan. And it's not actually very far from where Osama bin Laden was. So it's about uh, 100 kilometers, something like that, from where that was. And I remember him, he calls every once in a while. You get, you get this weird number on your phone. It's got like 900 digits. And you're like, wow, <laughs> I've got to answer this. This could be Ed McMahon or something. So I answered it, and his name's Philip. And he says, my heart has been for you, brother. And I was like, okay, thanks, man. And uh, he said, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for the congregation. I just wanted you to know that. He said, but God stirred something in me. And I said, what's that? He says, what would happen if Osama bin Laden got saved? And you're like, what? Hello? What? What are you saying? He says, what would that do to Al-Qaeda? So I would ask you to join me, brother, that we pray for bin Laden's salvation. Now, I don't know about you, right off the bat, my first thing was, I'm convicted. I don't want him saved. He's a meanie. You know what I began doing? Praying for Bin Laden's salvation. Within a week, they shot him. (laughs) So I don't know what that means. (laughs) So I guess you don't want me to pray for your salvation, do you? (laughs) So... But, you know, and he called, he said, well, you know, God's plan worked out. But I thought about that, and I thought, how many times do we take someone that we are convinced is an enemy, and we don't pray for their salvation? And then when we cross their path, do we just grit our teeth and bear it? Or do we have tolerating love? Everyone who's trying to love us has to understand that this love, (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. This love has to have room for failure. Okay? And every wife here is saying, Amen. (laughs) And I have a lot more failure than normal. Okay? Because I've learned that everyone who's trying to love me has got to have room for failure. Because there's times I'm a little tough to love. But yet, if you're forbearing or you're tolerating love, you still have to go through that. If you go to the Greek language, I think there's between 13 or 17 words for love. In the English language, I can love my dog, I can love my wife, I can love my grandma, and it's all the same word. Let us hope it's not the same. Okay, 
But there's three popular ones that everybody seems to know that has spent any time in the Bible. Eros, phileo, and agapon. Okay, agapon is the verb. Everybody calls it agape. That's the noun. It's agapon is the action. Okay? We know those words. Eros is a love that takes. Is a love that takes. This is the world's love, Eros. We liken it to sexual, lustful, those kinds of things. It's something I'm going to take. Okay, that's Eros. Phileo is a love that is give and take. It, is, it speaks of friends. We give and take. We give and take. You know, what I get, I give, and what I give, I get. Okay, guess what? world can do that one too. No problem. You can have friends and you can have it. You can have arrows, you can have it. The world does it, right? Then there's agapon, the action. That is a love that says, I give and I take nothing. Not only do I take nothing, I want nothing. I just give. See, take is never the issue with agapon. You know what the word is here? You wish it was phileo, but it's actually agapon. It is a kind of love that thinks the highest good of the other person. It's not that I want to just help you. I want the best for you. The best for your situation. The best for what you're enduring. I want the best. And I am willing to give everything that I am to accomplish that. At any price. It is absolutely selfless. God's force seeking the highest for us. To the point that he sent his only begotten son. That's that love. Okay? It's a love that its greatest goal is its highest good for the other person. That's what it wants. Listen, I don't want good for the other person. I want the highest good for the other person. No greater love than this. Than what? A man laid down his life. For another. Warfield said this. And I think it's good. He's really smart. But he said this quote. It is the obliteration. Of self. Unquote. I didn't even know they knew what the word obliteration was. I had to go look it up. It is totally selfless. It ain't about me. No matter what anyone does to you or to me, no matter what the circumstance is to you or to me, it never seeks revenge, never seeks to get even. No matter what it is, I'll accept it. And you know what? In the middle of it, I'll love it. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I look at that and say, that ain't natural. That's not what we do. We look at our circumstances. Sometimes we look at God's plans. Sometimes we look at people. And that is really not high on my list. It is a love that only gives. There's no give and take. I just give. To pour oneself out. Paul said that in his last letter to 2 Timothy. I am poured out as a drink offering. So that I get nothing because the love throws a blanket over whatever the evil is. You know, I, I got to be honest with you. That right there is the single greatest thing that I have that I emphatically know that I am saved. Because I've been attacked. I've probably been attacked more as a Christian than I was as an unbeliever. And as an unbeliever, I always got even. I mean, I used to pride myself on it. Because it might take me two years, but you'll know that I got even. You know what? It doesn't happen anymore. I still get attacked. I just smile and and go on. Try to love them. Now, sometimes they'll attack me and they're so mean-spirited they would rather not be around me. That's fine. I don't have a problem. But I, I, I think that we miss this in the evangelical community because you can have somebody... There's, now, I, don't, I may have lost count. I haven't been, it's hard to keep up with. At one point, there were 54 evangelical churches in Castle Rock. And I can go to any church here in Castle Rock and guarantee you there's somebody in that church that I've known and have been through these doors. I just know it. Okay? And one of the things that I've watched at the church in Castle Rock is we just pass people around. I'll go here, go here, go here, then you'll make me mad and I'll go over here. And I thought, wow, man, we've got 54 churches. You can go to a different church every Sunday and never attend two in a row. Cool. But you're never going to get a benefit. Nor will you ever be a benefit. You know what that is? An untolerating love. I tell everybody that my door is open. You got a problem? Come talk to me. You got a problem with another saint? Come talk to me. We'll make it work. There's unity in the power of the Spirit. See what I'm trying to get at? But yet, in our society today, in the evangelical community, he made me mad. Well, I had people leave the church because I was driving down the road, down there on Perry, and they were walking on the sidewalk, and I didn't wave at them. Well, I can't believe. You're a pastor. Why wouldn't you wave at me? You really should hope I keep both hands on the wheel. But, do you see, what was that all about? But, you know, God bless them. God bless them. And that's not one of them southern ones. You ever heard that one? Bless your heart. That's not a good thing in the south. It's just, that's just one of them you're like, what would you just call me? <laughs> not anyway. <laughs> but, uh, 
Anyway, we'll move on. It is an incorrigible benevolence. That's what John Calvin called it. Linsky called it an individable goodness. That's what they're talking about. Now, if you keep this in the context that we have a tolerance of, for one another in love, then how does it begin? And you can say, well, it's in all humility. No, nope. that's the terms. But you know how it begins? In each and every one of us. Okay, in each and every one of us. You know what's really cool about it? You can't affect mine. I can't affect yours. If I'm living a life of full humility, in meekness, with patience, then I have a forbearing, long-suffering love. And you know what? No one, no circumstance has any ability whatsoever to touch it. And you know what? Them people are hard to argue with. You can't even make them mad. They drive you nuts. See, the Holy Spirit is telling us in this text, get with the Christian life. What is that? Walk worthy. And it starts in each of us. Now listen, you can't say, well, I'm trying to walk worthy, but it's that woman. It didn't work for Adam. Ladies, you can't say the thing about your husband either. You can't say it about your co-worker. You can't say it about your boss. You can't say it about your circumstances. It is, this is where my Lord has got me. For such a time as this, I'm giving him thanks. And I want to see his glory. And I'm going to love with a toleration that is not natural to humanity. It starts right inside of each of us. For all of us, no one else can do it. No one else can. You can sit and tell them all day long. I need, you just need to love more. Tell me how that works. See, be humble in all things. There's gentleness and meekness. Have a long-suffering patience. And then you'll have a tolerating love. The kind of love that seeks someone else's good. No matter what happens. No matter what they do, and no matter what is in God's plans, I'm resting. I had a conversation. <laughs> it's amazing some of the things that people will blow a head gasket about. And it was talking about church on Sunday. I can't believe you meet on Sunday. And I said, what are you? Me either. He said, well, you know, the, the Sabbath is law and it's forever and ever and all around. And he goes through all this big dissertation, gives me all of these Leviticus and this is numbers. and He goes through all this thing. And I thought, wow, man, how do you remember all that? And he says, well, what is your defense to it? My Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So you're going to tell me I'm going to be with him on Saturday? But you know what? I didn't sway him. 
That's fine. I thought, well, you, you went through all the trouble to memorize all that stuff. Good for you, buddy. But I told him, I said, <laughs> you might want to try a little New Testament. Just an idea. I mean, maybe have a gander at it. And if I was you and you were so much into the Levitical priesthood, I would start in Hebrews. Because he is the Lord of Sabbath. He is the Lord of my rest. Lord is curious. He is the ruler of rest. See? But I ain't mad at him. I don't care. You going to meet on Saturday? Knock yourself out. Be really good. Meet seven days a week. Go from house to house. So, if I sit back and say, okay, I am resting in what the Lord has given me. What I know about Scripture, am I resting in it? Okay? Even if there's sins, you just throw a blanket over it. Well, but you know, you've got to love the sinner, hate the sin. That ain't what the Bible says. I put a blanket over it and I'm going to love you anyway. My love is unconditional. My love does not depend on your response. Let me give you a little footnote. It's funny, I got it down here written. It says, footnote, it's got a little smiley face. That means danger, Will Robinson. You want to go do this in your own good works? Have fun with it. Okay, because we'll all know that you are doing it in your own good works. This is the work of the Holy Spirit strengthening with his might in the inner man. In Galatians chapter 5, they call it the fruit of the Spirit. Only as, and I spoke of this in Sunday school this morning, only as you yield to him will this miracle happen. I told him in the Sunday school this morning, I said, do you understand that Jesus Christ was 100% deity and 100% man? Oh, amen, amen. Do you know that you are 100% deity, 100% man? What? You saying I'm a God? No, you think you are, but I don't. Okay? But if you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, guess what? How much deity you have in you? And you're still in an earth container, right? You know the difference between you and me and Jesus? He yielded. We don't. Well, every once in a while we do. <laughs> He'll put his boot on the back of your neck and says, I was talking to you. See, God wants to produce in each and every believer of Jesus Christ humility, which leads to meekness, which leads to patience, which leads to a tolerating, long-suffering love. Let me give you an illustration. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning in verse 43. You have heard that it was said. I always like it when he says that. Somebody's about to eat crow. That's not what it says in the Bible. I'm just telling you. Okay. You have heard that it was said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may... Be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rains on the righteous and on the unrighteous. 
For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do the same? See what he just said? Think about it. He died for us even though we were yet sinners. He covered that sin by his blood on Calvary. Do now, (laughs) this is where it gets sticky. Do you seek your enemy's highest good? That's tough, isn't it? That's one of those, uh, try to do that in your own strength. Do you bless them that curse you? You pray for those who persecute you that you may be known as sons of the Father who is in heaven. Think about Christ on the cross. They're spitting on him, they're mocking him, they're murdering him. What was his conclusion? Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. See, that's the way the Father does it. Guess what? If you're going to walk worthy, that's the way we should be doing it. I'm going to love those who hate us. I'm going to love those who persecute us. I'm going to love those who curse me. I guess you can look at it. I remember uh, I was in Baku, Azerbaijan. We had... Some of them Samaritan purse boxes, shoe boxes. And uh, so they, they said, that you want to go with us? And I said, yeah. And they said, that, you know, some of these people like to see an American. I'm like, well, I don't know about that. But anyway, sure. I said, so we'll go. And so we start driving out to the, it's toward the Caspian Sea. Caspian Sea was just on the rise from where we were. And there's this building there. It looks like a, almost like a factory. And all, most of the windows are knocked out of it and, and all this other stuff. And I'm sitting there going, where in the world, what in the world are we doing here? Because we had a bunch of boxes. I mean, we probably had 50. And I was like, we're at an abandoned factory on the Caspian Sea. And the guy says, just a minute, I'm going to go in. So the guy disappears for a while. I'm standing there and acting American. And I thought, what in the heck is going on? He says, yeah, we can come in. So me and then Pastor Ilya, uh, Vladislav, some of you guys know Vladislav. And we, we go cruising in, and I got me a handful of boxes and all the rest of it. And the lady comes up in, in broken English. She says, please understand, this is a tuberculosis sanitarium. I was like, what? They said, well, yeah, everybody in here... The country wants to keep them away from everybody. So once you're diagnosed, they just stick you in this building. And I was like, well, ain't that like uh, highly contagious? Oh, yeah. You know, when I was like five years old, they gave me this thing on the side of my arm. And now, you don't. I don't know if it's still working. 
And I walked in that first room, and it's full of these women. Some of them young. I mean, um, in their 20s. Some of them 60 to 70. And when you walked into the room, they all went over in the corner and kind of stayed back. And at first I thought, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Well, I did. You can sit there and say, I'm cold hearted, whatever. I'm like, stay a moment in. (laughs) But I, I set some of the boxes down on the table and I began praying. I started crying. I walked over to this young lady and she held her hand in shame and I grabbed her and I picked her up and I hugged her and I told her that the Lord Jesus Christ loved her enough that he died for you. Now I'm in English and she's in Russian so she ain't got a clue. But then the next thing I know I was hugging every one of them. I already told you guys I get in trouble for hugging people. I didn't get in trouble then. Can you believe that? Why? God brought me there. That's his plan. I've never been back. I'd like to go back. One of these days, maybe. I don't know. But I tell you, it was, it was a little unnerving. About a month after I came back, I started coughing. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> How do I explain this to my family? <laughs> Well, I think I got tuberculosis. It shouldn't be that big a deal. <laughs> uh, so anyway, no matter what, that love has to overwhelm you. But it only does it in the progression that I, is laid out there in Ephesians. When Jesus was on the cross and people were spitting on him, He was still loving the people who were mocking him. He was still loving the people who were murdering him. He still loved them. And everybody said, well, well, that was the son of God. You know, what do you expect him to do? Okay, what do you do with Stephen? As the stones are coming down upon him, crushing the life out of his body, he looks to heaven and says what? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'd at least picked up a rock to it back, but I'd have still prayed for him. See, this is God's plan. If I'm in God's plan, then it's a forbearing, long-suffering love. I return only love. Regardless of what I get. I ain't worried about what I get. I don't care what the action is. I return only love. I can go to a group of people. I went through three floors, room by room by room with these people. All of them have been shut away and put out of sight. Only returning love. Only showing the love of Jesus Christ is the concern for them. Listen, when these are in place, brothers and sisters, when you have humility, when you have gentleness, meekness, when you have a long-suffering patience, when you have a love that is forbearing, Then you get to the end of verse 3. The unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace. And it says be diligent. Brothers and sisters, that can never happen without the first part. And we'll look at that next year. That is our goal. Do you know that? Once that's happening in the body of Christ, guess what? The lost want to know what the heck that is. How are they doing that? 
And it ain't got nothing about being a Baptist. It ain't got nothing about being a Methodist, Presbyterian, whatever. It ain't got nothing to do with it. It's got to do with a group of people who in all humility have a gentle spirit that is power under control because of their master with all patience, long-suffering patience, tolerating one another in supernatural love. Then you have unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and then you have the body of Christ acting like the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I come before you, the author and the finisher. Thank you, Lord, for drawing us together. Thank you that even now as we prepare for the Lord's table, fellowship of the saints. Lord, I just pray. We each have those situations, circumstances. We each have people and we each struggle at times with your will. And yet, Father, in your sovereignty, you care for us. You take care of us. So, Lord, I would ask that you would uh, help us in all humility. Help us with that. Let us start right there. And then we watch the rest of it blossom. So we love one another in the power of your spirit. In Christ's name. Amen.